Hey, welcome to another episode of We Have Such Films to Show You. This is big episode 4-0, uh, and it's our uh, second annual My Bloody Valentine's Day celebration. Uh, this time last year, we watched a uh, 1981 Canadian film, yeah, uh, My Bloody Valentine, and this time we're doing My Bloody Valentine 3D, the uh, Jensen Ackles 2009 uh, 3D remake uh, thing uh yeah it's uh it was um what do you call it this might be the the last anniversary my bloody valentine episode we're doing by the way because they haven't made any more of these um just heads up i am Uh, i am by the way josh millard uh you're you're one of your hosts and uh, and i'm yakov and uh this episode is once again brought to you by moosehead lager yes uh which may or may not have been in this movie i did i was there was one episode one one shot with like a six pack of cans and clear you know thing but i didn't actually i could not i could not get a clear shot of any of the beers uh uh i i there was a beer bottle sound at one point early in the film uh when there there's people wandering around in the mine there's definitely a beer bottle noise as a tiny little jump scare sort of thing whereas i don't think i'd seen any actual beer bottles just cans so i'm going to imagine yeah. that was a empty bottle of moosehead lager uh along the lines of the several bottles of moosehead lager that i drank while watching the film uh just briefly moosehead lager is uh kind of a pretty boring north american lager it turns out i mean there's nothing wrong with it it's just you know it's just beer uh, which is pretty much what I expected when I drove to to buy some, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's you know it's I think it would be a better beer to drink several of while watching the original film is my take. I think it's the right beer for that film. Cause- okay, I, I I didn't think this movie it was possible to do a disservice to the previous movie, and yet this is where we are. Yeah, with I, this I, one. I will say I. Uh, I am feeling – I don't remember exactly how I felt about the original. I, I think I, I thought it was sort of a mess but also was charmed by its goofiness. Uh, but I definitely possibly have like rose-colored glasses just after watching this one yeah. for the original where I'm like, man, I kind of – I feel like watching the original again would have been a better use of my time. Um, and, and, and I think if there was like a cut of the original that took out all of like, or maybe cut down all of the running around in the mine scenes to one scene that was maybe three minutes long, that would be a worthwhile movie. Definitely more worthwhile than My Bloody Valentine 3D. Yeah, and and this is this is a case where I think uh, you know the, the idea of uh, summarizing movies uh, came up on Facebook the other day. And it's funny because, like, I feel like when we first started doing this, we ended up sort of like spending literally an hour and a half sequentially, sort of going through the plot of the films, uh, which which felt like maybe not the most useful way because that meant we spent a lot of time recapping parts that weren't particularly interesting, but we'd taken yeah. notes. So by God, we're and we've, we've sort of gotten away from that in time and talked more. But about But then we've completely the stopped recapping yeah. the, the plot in any cohesive way. Yeah, and and I feel like for something like something like The Fly or The Thing, these are really classic movies that you really. If you haven't seen already and you're listening to a horror movie podcast because you like horror movies, that's a movie you should see and we're not going to worry so much about that. But this is a movie I'm going to say if you haven't already gone out and seen My Bloody Valentine 3D, maybe maybe we'll just recap it real quick because it's like it's not it's not bad, but it's it's kind of worse than being bad. It's just not interesting. Like there's there's nothing 
about this movie that makes me want to say, "Oh man, you got to see my Bloody Valentine 3D because of this this thing in it." You know, it's it's. Do you just, think it was better in 3D? I think it was it probably a lot been. more fun in 3D. I don't know if it was better yeah. necessarily, but this that is something I've yeah I've got a few notes on that. I feel like this is a film that not seeing it in 3D is more of a loss than some other films that have been released in 3D. Like I think if you see Avatar not in 3D, it's still it's basically Avatar. You know, I mean it's it's a it's a big budget James Cameron you know uh, story adventure thing with a bunch of CGI and I a lot of money. I watched Avatar on a 24 inch CRT from like 2000, maybe maybe 2001 or so, and that was a boring ass movie. Well, yeah. But I'm saying I don't think it gets a whole lot less boring insofar as it's boring in 3D. I mean, the spectacle is there, obviously, but it's not – the 3D doesn't add anything to the story in Avatar. It doesn't add anything to the film presentation other than just the 3D-ness. Whereas I feel like in this film, where, whereas in the original let, – let, let, let me put it this way. I feel like the original My Bloody Valentine, I really missed out by watching the cut that had all of the good gore cut out because that was sort of like the sizzle of the film. You know, it's yep. still sort of goofy and charming and weird, but – there was that conspicuous dif- distance in the, like the extra two minutes that you saw versus what I saw was all the really good bits. And I feel like we both, by not watching this 3D, essentially had the same experience because there's a bunch of things yeah. in this that are just like dumb. They're, they're, they're not even good uh, cinematography in a traditional sense, but they were there specifically to jab something in your eye as the viewer in 3D. Like, you know, there were so many things extended a lot of crap directly for, yeah right at the camera stuff flying at you stuff being poked at you you know that that like i i was spent the film looking for this stuff because it became obvious early on that they were doing some of it yeah uh, and even then i sort of had to realize a couple of the things that were slightly less completely insanely in your face were probably also there specifically for that purpose like like did you you, you noticed the minor uh, whether it was actually Harry Warden or crazy Jensen Ackles, several times throughout the film, when he's getting ready to kill someone, he sort of stops standing like you know five feet away from the camera, mm-hmm. and and sort of points the the whole pickaxe at that person, like right at the screen, essentially, like yeah. Babe Ruth calling a shot. And it, it wasn't until like the fifth time that happened, it was like, oh, I bet in 3D that really is like, oh my god, it's in your face. Whereas like without that, it's just like this is a dumb thing to keep repeating. This is like really <laughs> stupid. This is this is bad movie making. It's like, oh, but it's oh my god, it's in my face. He's gonna hit well, me in 3D, back. you get another two of them before like the eighth one is just like stop. Yeah, um. <laughs> and, and that's that. That I guess. Uh, that I guess is probably the thing about this film that it's a little bit weird to try and watch it not in 3D and judge, which I think is a little bit of a bullshitty defense of a film because you know a, a film that's not very good is not very good, and even if it, the 3D stuff is kind of cool, it's still not very good. But well, I wonder if this, this is was, like you know if you're watching The Wizard of Oz on a black and white TV, maybe it's just yeah. like you're you're missing that whole aspect of it. Yeah, but yeah, how much you know better or worse would it be? Yeah, so I think I think it's worth noting that the film was very much about being in 3D and so in that sense however complicated of a defense that is it is a meaningful thing like these these they, they were definitely making a 3D movie it's like the trivia is that this was like the first R rated you know 3D movie from this era of 3D or something or at least by some yeah yeah the by current some the, the current, uh, I, I think it was the first movie uh, released in, in that kind of, th- or the first major like Hollywood movie uh, released in the kind of 3D that 3D 
movies are now. Because, I mean, you know, they had been doing it in, like, IMAX and stuff for uh, for a while. Yeah. Um, but I think this was, let me see, Wikipedia. Yeah, oh, you know, you're right. It was the first R-rated movie to be in a real D. So, I guess there was a lot of PG-13 movies about adults dealing with situations that were in 3D for some reason. Yeah. Uh, um, no. The, you know what was in 3D that it would always surprise me? Uh, Dial M for Murder. I've never seen that. Was uh, it was shot? Yeah, it's the Hitchcock movie that's based on a stage play and basically plays out like a stage play. Okay, where it's just you know people talking in in an apartment mostly, um, and it was it was in three D, and I huh. saw it in three D, and it was, it was pretty cool. Just old school. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the red blue. 3D. You know, I I don't think so. I think there might have been some. There may have been some other kind of three D because it's in color and it's clearly like very much in color. Um, and they had converted it to the current kind of 3D. So I'm not sure. I, I don't possibly. Well, maybe the, maybe they could have done the polarized thing uh, back in the day too. Maybe it was uh, accomplishable. Uh, well, that'd be interesting mm-hmm. to look into. Any case, uh, yeah, it's a movie. I, if I had a reasonable way to have seen this in 3D, I I, I would have done so. Um, and I think I might have had slightly different feelings, but like I think I think I think there would have been more moments of stupid, this is dumb but great sort of joyousness about the 3D effects. Whereas I instead instead I spent a lot of the film seeing those and thinking, oh, I bet I bet that would have been kind of fun in 3D instead of just being sort of a, a tedious additional shot. Um, yeah, because the kills weren't very inventive. Yeah, there was or, a lot of the, or, you know just or. or Notable, except for the fact that something was supposed to like jump out at you and get you in yeah. the face. I feel like I feel like he got a lot of use out of that pickaxe, which I think they got a lot of use out of for the 3D part of it. Probably partly what that means is right. they had a really good 3D model of a pickaxe, so they got a lot of use out of it uh, for some of the crazy <laughs> you know composite shots. But but it, it feels like it feels like like in a video game where there's a bunch of like you know special combat moves, but it's still like the first hour of the game, so all you've got is a pickaxe, so you're sort of running through those various moves and like you don't expect it to be super cool because you're like oh well this is just the pickaxe and then i'm gonna get those five other weapons and the cool thing will be all the different ways i can kill things with all the different weapons and instead we just get the the, the pickaxe it's a it's a pickaxe only uh stunt run through the my bloody valentine video game is is what we watched <laughs> um so I, I i i guess let's try and briefly recap it for people who don't want to sit through the whole thing uh one thing i will say is you don't really need to have seen the original because they don't do as much interesting stuff with back references the original as i could even though there are some back references yeah yeah um, there's some uh i mean they're like there's some callbacks like those some visual callbacks uh the um in the in the first one did somebody somebody does body show up in a dryer? Does that yes, my, yes, the laundromat. That right? there, okay, yeah. there was in fact a body in the in the in the dryer, uh, yeah. in the laundromat. Um, so yeah, there was that, and, and there's a callback to the the heart and Valentine box thing. Yeah, uh, happened in the original. Um, there was being menaced in the locker room by the falling uh, yeah, mining the falling, suits, falling clothes. Although I feel like that was a lot more effective in the original than in this one. Yeah, in this one it just felt like absolutely. they threw it in because like, oh hey, we should do a callback rather than you know <laughs> to these six people going to see this that have also seen my bloody Valentine. Yeah. Well, I feel like to, in the original film, the mine was a little bit more of a character than in this one. Yeah, like you know, it, it was really like in the fr- in the original movie. 
movie you knew was a mining community because like they were they were working in the mines they were hanging out in the mines you know there wasn't really anything to do besides like go to the bar or go to the mines and so the mines were just very there and and you had this sense of it as a working space whereas this movie like the mine shows up because they happen to be in the mine at times and because everybody talks about how it'll ruin the community to close you know to sell the mine but like Although we don't meet any actual miners yeah I like think. like Harry and. Yeah, Harry Warden and then Jensen uh, are like the only two like minor miners we really interact with, yeah. you know, doing any mining stuff ever, and that's mostly just in the like prelude sequence. So yeah, it's, which it's, I'm not sure. So wait, so so what? From what I can tell, Jensen Eccles. Uh, His name is Tom in the movie, up. but it's Jensen because it's, it's Jensen. I, I may or may not slip into calling him Dean throughout the episode, and I'm not apologizing for that. Just just heads up, if you don't watch Supernatural, which has much better production values than this movie, I was surprised by how much better this other thing where with Jensen Ackles and, and Murder was, was better than this movie, and it's a TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he fucks something up. That causes a mine explosion. Uh, Harry Warden gets stuck with like six other people and then kills them all. Yes, kills them all to uh, to, to for, conserve for the oxygen for himself. Uh, and then they dig him out and he's in a coma. And then he wakes up from his coma uh, like a year later on Valentine's Day. Uh, and uh, and then he kills, a bunch of people. Yeah, kills everybody in the hospital. And then goes off to the mine to kill a bunch of kids and kills almost all of them and uh, tries to kill Jensen uh, and then uh, gets, and then gets shot. shot. The, the, the old lot. sheriff and his deputy show up and, and shoot the heck out of him and he runs off. And it turns out later that they tracked him down and killed him for good. Uh, and, and Jensen is so traumatized by this that he then eventually loses his mind and comes back and turns out he's the bad guy. And we'll talk about that whole, like, misdirection and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, but yeah, so as far as I can tell, yeah, he did something wrong with the methane regulation, or maybe he did. And Harry was angry at him and so came back to kill him a year later when he woke up from his coma after killing a ton of other people, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, like, you, you, you see him, like, wake up and then, uh, you know, there's, like, an off-screen scream and uh, some credits, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, no, no, the credits were for – wait, was this a cold open? I don't remember now. It, 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 it I mean, opened either on way. the 3D newspaper sequence. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. The uh, which gave us the backstory the of flying at you. Yeah, it gave us the backstory of him being in the mine and the mining accident, him killing people and being in a coma. And then we zoom in through one of the moving uh, photographs into the hospital. We see his dreaming flashback to the argument with Jensen and the explosion. And then he his eyes open, and then we see a nurse come in. Doesn't see him in his bed. He's sitting nearby. He stands up and menaces quietly in her direction without her noticing and then i think we cut to credits and and murder bodies and screaming and and whatnot right yeah and then it opens back up and you see like the cops investigating it um and there's just a body torn in half with like the upper like the torso on on like a hospital bed and the lower part on a different part it's just he 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 just wrecked the place, murdering everybody in incredibly vicious and complicated ways. But apparently also and, really quickly because the cops are getting there yeah. 
and it's already quiet and he's off somewhere and he's managed to kill something like yeah 30 people by the time the cops managed to respond to there must have been some sort of distress call from someone yeah. uh so yeah he's very thorough very thorough uh and then he wanders off to the mine and he finds some teens and we're introduced to our core uh, I guess they're teens. This is, in a sense, is maybe a yeah. callback to the original film in that we cannot tell if these various young people are actual teenagers or just like early 20-somethings or mid-20-somethings. You know, there's there's the problem, of course, that we've talked about many times that you just can't fucking tell how old someone's supposed to be when you cast 25-year-olds as teenagers on a regular basis because who knows? <laughs> uh, but in any case, he goes to the yeah, line. He the, slaughters the, the, a bunch of people. A few yeah, teens the, escape. We, 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 when we meet our, like, you know, like the people who we're going to be, you know, following in this movie, it then goes to 10 years later, and I, I don't think it like they, they put makeup on them or anything. It's just the exact same people wearing different clothes. Yeah, I think they were just dressed a little younger, I guess, is the idea. I mean, it, yeah, there's not, there's no sense of, like, shift in continuity there, but uh, what do you do? Um, so, yeah, so so that's the, and that's the whole setup. And, and then, yeah, 10 years later, Jensen Ackles comes back to town because he's going to – he's Tom Hannigan. He's the heir to the Hannigan mining concern, which is the big mining concern in the town where everybody does the mining that we never see anybody doing. Uh, and he's come back to town to, to sell as a majority shareholder the mining company to some other investment company. And people don't want him to do that. Or then immediately be, going to close it down. I think the implication like the, was the, that like it, they, there's no way they wouldn't fuck things up. Which I mean, honestly, a sellout to an investment firm, I think it's a fair concern on everybody's part. That like I don't think they want to buy it so that they cannot touch it. Um, so you know, the idea is people in the town, to the extent that they know, which is like four people, it seems like, uh, are angry that that Jensen is going to sell this because that's possibly going to ruin a bunch of people's jobs. Uh, and, and he comes back and they've, they've put off the, the meeting to sign the papers and have it done with until like after the weekend. And he shows up there on a Friday or whatever. Um, right. And, uh, and this movie was released in 2009. Also released mm-hmm. in 2009 was the Friday the 13th remake starring Jared Padalecki, the other half of the supernatural bromance. Huh. Uh, and 2009 was a year that February, just like this year, Valentine's Day was a Saturday. So a Saturday the 14th, which means the day before was Friday the 13th. So so, so there you go. I, I, I'm going to assume both of those movies happen in the same universe based on that keen respect for the calendar date. Um, so maybe he showed up on Friday the 13th is what I'm saying in town. I'm not totally clear on what the time frame was for the movie because I really didn't care. Um, but cause he had to show, I don't know. It's, it's, anyway, he shows up, people start dying. We see him see a mysterious murderer in a minor suit, kill some people. Uh, several people close to him die. We're left wondering, is he the killer? Is he crazy? Is he crazy, but not the killer? Is he crazy, but not too crazy? Is Axel the asshole sheriff who we have no reason to like possibly actually the killer? Is someone else the killer? You know, we spent we spent the whole of the original film wondering who the killer was, and then it turned out to be one of the guys. I was like, oh, it was him, apparently. Um, so I've, they, they sort of called back that structurally, but 
I was kind of hoping early on that it would turn out that Jensen would be set up as we're supposed to think he's a killer, but then we think he's not really the killer. We're just supposed to think he's the killer, but then he's the killer. And, and actually, that's the way it turned out. And yet I was kind of unsatisfied because the whole thing felt kind of dumb. They did not. I mean, like when he's revealed to be the killer, he gives himself away through like the law and order thing where it's just like, we didn't tell you there was a dead body. But it's just yeah. like, yeah, what? Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, you the, must, the, you the, must they have told him. me. Yeah, the, it was not. It, it wasn't like you know. It was. It was just catching somebody saying something. Well, it was not I, interesting to watch him. I think you know, they, be revealed as the killer. Yeah, and I think the thing is they were going for this psychological thing where when they revealed that he was the killer, they were revealing it to him as well. Like he was like the idea is that this guy is like. You know, he, he's he's literally had some sort of psychotic break ten years ago that he's never recovered from. He's chased by the you know he's haunted by the specter of Harry Warden and literally you know is carrying Harry Warden around in his head in in some sense. And so he's killing people as Harry Warden while experiencing it as a dissociated third party. You know, to protect himself, presumably. You know, and this none, none of this is quoting from the film. This just seems like what they would do if they were going to get into exposition for their dumb uh, approach. Here is that like he's not aware that he is killing people in the guise of Harry Warden. He thinks Harry Warden has come back and is killing people, and he's seeing it. You know, in the couple cases where we see him see it, and that's one of the big misdirections in the film is they have the scene in the mine where. Uh, Harry Warden, you know, in mining gear, attacks him, throws him in a, a like utility cage in the mine, and bends some metal so he can't get out, and then murders a dude. Uh, and at that point, we're like, oh well, obviously it's not Jensen because we saw him see the guy, and it turns out, no, he just he was imagining that in his head because he's actually insane. Uh, so all of this comes around to the reveal at the end, where yeah, they're like, uh, he's like, oh, you know, it's the same words as on the card as as were written on that wall in blood. And it's like. How did you? How did you know that was what was written on it? He's like, oh, you must have told me. Uh, and from there, we sort of get the, oh, he has the dawning realization along with everybody else that he is the killer, sort of thing. You know, is I guess what comes out of that. I don't even remember. You know, I watched this two days ago. You watched this just now. Do you remember exactly yeah. how they played that out? Because it's getting fuzzy um, for me. Already. Yeah, what happens is that uh, he, you know, um, the, the the they're doing like the no no he's the evil clone sort of thing where she's got the gun on 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 uh, Axel and on Dean. Oh right, right. Um, oh, and Axel says, and, "Shoot us both." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cut the baby in half. Um, and and then. Uh, Jensen Ackles is just like, wait, he's right behind you, and it's it's you know oh, there, God, there's nobody right. behind her, yeah. and then he sort of appears there, and he's just like, no, no, you, you got to shoot him, he's right behind you, and then Axel just like gives a really incredulous like shake of the head, and then you know nobody's noticing Harry Warden just approach like you know break in between right, like right. the two of the uh, her and the uh, her and Axel, and just like get right up into um, Tom's face and. Nobody sees him, and he's just like, oh, and then he drifts away into hallucination. And then, um, yes, uh, then it gets kind of weird, because Axel's just like, um, it's a, you know, a part of Harry Warden must have lived inside you all this time, and then, you know, just like Jensen Ackles' whole demeanor change, and he's just like, yep, I'm right here. Like, he's, you know, it's supposed to be like sort of a possession thing, but they really go deep into, you know, the horror movie possession by an actual demon thing, rather than the... Uh, yeah, which is confusing. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's the thing. I watched 
some of the director or listen to, I guess I should say, some of the director's commentary on this. And I turned it off wow. after about a half an hour because, well, I was, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I put it on, uh, I, I watched this, uh, you know, me and Angela sat down and watched it and, and, you know, we got through the movie and then we said, eh, let's watch the director's commentary. You know, last night we decided to watch some of that. And, and I think we were basically hoping for a bunch of horror movie geeking out and maybe on the fact that they're, you know, rebooting uh, a, a classic movie from 30 years ago that, you know, they would talk about that and, you know, basically talk about anything but what they did talk about, which is mostly they just, like, they spent a half hour uh, – Praising the hell out of themselves and their cast and their writing, and they were obviously super. And I think they recorded this like I, they may have said on the commentary they recorded this like the day after the premiere. So they were probably, you know, in a, a pretty good you know bubble place as far as like you know feeling <laughs> accomplished and shit. But uh, but yeah, they talk a bunch um, just about how good the script is, how clever the things they did is, how beautiful the cast is, how talented the cast is at one point, basically saying, you know, they would put the, the cast and the acting in this movie up against just literally any movie ever. Uh, they talk about how so important some of the things in the film, like the scene in the diner, uh, when we're 10 years later and we find out Axel's, uh, the sheriff now, and there's his, his wife, although we don't, we don't know that Sarah is his wife yet, but obviously they're in a serious relationship. Uh, and then there's his mistress, and then there's the black deputy, and then there's the older guy who I think was Sarah's dad. Um, I think he was the he was the guy that shot um, Harry, wasn't he? No, 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 no. That was that was the old sheriff and his very old deputy. Uh, well, okay. I mean, th- that we saw on on screen. Saving Jensen from being murdered. Those by Those two characters are indistinguishable to me. Yeah. The, the, the two, the two like senior citizen white guys with gray hair. Yeah, I, it's, it's the third one is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> anyway. It doesn't really matter. The point is they're talking on the commentary about how this diner scene is so important because we need to establish these characters, establish you know what's changed in ten years, and they also need it to be fun because you know later the movie's not gonna you know there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's not fun. So you know let's have what? let have it be a fun scene. Then it was not a fun scene. It was not no. remotely fun. It was just boring character establishment. And it's like so. Th- this is this is basically why I turned off the commentary. It's like we got a half an hour of this, and there was like one or two quick references to the original movie. Basically, no commentary on most of the actual like horror stuff that I tend to like. You know, they 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 their their reaction to all that elaborate. Uh, like murdered people in the hospital effect stuff was to say, oh yeah, Gary Tunnicliffe did a great job with this. And also when we uh, used a real hospital for this scene, we asked if we could get some blood in the walls and they said it'd be fine. And I don't know if they really uh, understood how much blood there was going to be. And apparently they had to hire <laughs> one of those professional crime scene uh, cleanup places to clean it up, which means they didn't clean up their own fucking, they, they made a bloody fake mess in a hospital and then said, oh, well, I guess there's some blood on your wall. Sorry, we're out of here. I, you know, that just, I didn't, I, I disliked the makers of the film and the film itself so much more in that half hour of commentary I listened to than I did just watching it like as a film where I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, I've got plenty of criticism and I'm not very excited by this, but, but yeah, no, I just, ah, oh, yeah. uh, the people that made it were assholes. Yeah. And they, 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 they talk at length about the sequence with the, uh, uh, the naked blonde girl uh, and talk about how she gave such a powerful like you know and 
compelling performance that by the end of the sequence you've forgotten she's naked and no you haven't she's you you've really really pointedly kept her walking around completely naked on screen like this was a really really straightforward directorial choice obviously that you made because she's naked and this and, is the, the, yeah this movie so far has had the most gratuitous of nudity that we've seen i think uh, yeah and I, w- I was surprised because like you know that was one of the one of the weird silly things about the first one was you know that opening scene that's so weird that doesn't even seem to fit the uh, narrative of the film itself where the, harry warden apparently goes down into a mine with some lady and then she starts getting naked and it's like totally gratuitous uh scene that has no tie into anything else later in the film uh, but hey, we've got we, we've got some lady takes her top off, so that's the important thing. And then she gets murdered. Yeah. And and this f- film did not start that way. I was like, wow, they made a I guess a classy choice there. But uh, and then and then they get to the uh, that scene. Oh, also, there's the the and it just I think one of the first lines in this movie is the phrase "over the pants hand job." <laughs> Did you notice that? This is one of the first spoken lines of dialogue in this movie is, is those words, which yep. was, yeah. <laughs> in summary, don't listen to the fucking director's commentary on this thing. It's, uh, it does, no, yeah, it's not great. Although there is a Canadian connection that we did get out of that, the fake blood mm-hmm. made with maple syrup. So there you go, Canada. That's, That's uh, why I didn't, re- I, I, you know what, I wasn't going to say anything because I, I thought it would be too nitpicky, but there is like a close-up of a hand and the blood drips off of it in like sort of a goopy way, in a way that blood doesn't drip. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I was just like, that. that's not. That's not what dripping blood looks like. And then it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense because it's made partially of maple syrup. Um, and yeah, because it looks like there's maple syrup dripping off. Yep. It's probably delicious um, to clean up though, you know. Uh, so I'm and, and anyway, I, I think we sort of got a basic summary of the film in there. You know, that's that's the, that's yeah. the key parts. Jensen secretly the killer. He kills a bunch of people, and then it revealed that he's a killer. And yes, and then a bunch of 3D effects. Uh, and a lot of people there's and, and and a lot of just like. In, in the original movie, there was, you know, just a bunch of scenes, like, establishing the town and the people in the town just doing stuff, which was part of its charm, because it was just, you know, like, this little Canadian, like, shit-kicking mining town, but the people in it, you know, generally were, seemed like, okay people who had fun, and it was just sort of nice to look in on that. In this movie, all those scenes are just replaced with somebody yelling at Jensen Ackles. Yeah for something he did or did not do or is going to do. Yeah. He gets a lot of shit in this movie. It's a, it's a weird... It, 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 it feels strange saying this about a film that's a more modern take on what was sort of a weirdly paced mess of a film, but this is a weirdly paced mess of a film in a lot of ways. And it's just because yeah. it, it is that lack of characterization. Like, everything we get is basically we find out you know that people have negative reactions to Jensen showing back up in town yeah. but you know it's it's not gross point blank you know there's no richness to the characterization of people being like oh hey this is weird we're collectively experiencing the strangeness of your return you know sort of feel yeah. it's just like you know okay now let's have this character's exposition about him being back in town now so you're character- no longer you're still working in your parents store huh and we check off you know a little exposition thing for one character yep i assume that's how they shot this movie or scripted it at least it's being like all right how many points of exposition do we have for axel well, three you know, that's, that's one of the things yeah. they talked about in the portion of the commentary i listened to is how like you know 
it seems like they rewrote a lot of the movie as they made the movie, which I'm yeah. n- not to say that's necessarily you know unheard of or anything. I'm not, I'm not suggesting this is like some unique terrible move on their part, but it sounds like something that happened a lot. Like a lot of stuff from the actors giving them recommendations like, well, yeah, but this line, if, you know, if we don't cover this in this scene, then why would my character not be wondering about it later? Uh, Tom Atkins is the guy who plays the uh, old sheriff. Uh, and apparently he was a, uh, sort of casting coup late in getting pre-production done. And so they rewrote his part so that he would be in it more once they had him for it. Uh, cause he originally was just going to get killed pretty early on, I guess. Uh, and, and yeah, so I, I kind of get the impression there was. Is he killed in his house while drunk? And with, with the shotgun? No, or is no, that no, the no, other no, guy? no, that's that's the other guy. That's uh, uh, what's his fucking face? I'll look it up. Uh, Kevin Ty or Teague or I don't know how you say his name. He's great. He's he's he he always comes off really effectively, sort of somewhere between condescending and slimy when he needs to. Uh, you know, he's been in a shitload of stuff. Um. But yeah, no, I, I thought he was, I, I thought he was, you know, here's the thing. Like I, I, the cast was not bad in this film. I mean, like nobody that I can think of offhand was really particularly bad. Um, really? I, I just disagree with that just to the extent of Jensen Ackles because well, okay. he was terrible. I, I don't think he was bad. I, I, uh, let, let me be clear. I don't think the actors were bad actors in the film. I think they got a lot of shitty material. And and I think I think yeah. Jensen Ackles did a perfectly Jensen Acklesy job with what he was given, and what he was given was not great, you know. And same thing for basically everybody else. I mean, uh, there, there's a couple characters who I think actually gave sort of you know sort of meh, you know uh, performances of what they had. Like like Todd Farmer is one of the co-writers of the film, and also. Uh, was the naked dude in the in the sex scene trailer park? Oh, discount Tony. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was one of the writers, and and I don't think the part was written for him. According to the commentary, it's more like they decided, hey, let's make this work. You know, we can make Todd do this, and then, haha, it'll be fun. Uh, and yeah, he like Look, there's Todd's ass. Yep, it basically yes. In the in the thanks at the end of the the credits, there's even a thanks to presumably Todd, you know, Mrs. Farmer or whatever, for letting Todd get <laughs> naked. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, he, his, that was kind of a flat performance of his bit there, although they thought it was yep. fantastic. Um, you know, and one of the guys that gets killed in the mine in the early sequence, you know, the, mm-hmm. I felt like he was not doing a great job of acting, but you know, like n- nobody else was like really terrible beyond the fact that the material they were doing with like, like Axel, I didn't like Axel a bit, but that was a combination of him being written as a dick and the writing just not being great. You know, it he wasn't was, so much that he was doing a terrible job of acting what he was given. I think he took what he was given and he did it. You know, um, between um, he was just the whole time that he was on screen, I felt like somebody had in their fantasy of what this movie could be written that role for Leonardo DiCaprio. And then this was the best they could do was uh Kerry Smith because yeah. he was just very like trying to be Leonardo DiCaprio uh circuit departed in this. Um, just very conflicted, very, very, uh, 
you know, emotionally upset, but trying to keep us cool. He he just like I mean I, I just basically picture you know Departed era Leonardo DiCaprio doing all of this movie, being like, why am I in this? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. So so I don't know. I guess that's my take. And and maybe that's me being overly generous, but I I, I really do feel like the problem with the movie was not the people acting in the movie or necessarily their capacity to act. It was it was more just down to the actual content they were given to work with. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say that the Jensen Ackles, I think, it, it just remains the exception because everything that he does that isn't Dean is very, very uh, Dean-like. Or, or, no, the stuff that he does that's good, that I liked, was very Dean-like, and the other stuff was just him sort of being confused as to what he should be acting right now. Every time he gets punched in the face, he's just like, did I just get punched in the face? Um, but then nothing happens, and then there was just that entire just borderline incoherent scene with him and uh, Jamie King, like, talking on the bridge about how he has responsibilities to the town. And that was just, I know, I've seen him do that kind of scene so much better than he did in that one. Do you, do you feel like that's because he was not taking his acting pills? Or, see, my, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Is I kind of feel like that's probably because someone fucking directed him poorly. And I'm just basing that on thinking that it was not a very well-directed film. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do, do, you, do you think it was... I, I guess that's the question. Do you think it was uh, down to Jensen Ackles just not having the stuff for that scene, or you know, now that I think about it, I I I don't really know because it's just there's just such a disparity in like him being good in this movie and him being bad in this movie. It's just so big that it's just like yeah. how much of that, you know, how much of that is just the maybe the like either the directing or just his choices on supernatural being just like much better and yeah yeah so yeah i, I could definitely see that, or maybe, that being the case you know, it could be lack of direction too like maybe maybe it is that you know he was not making great decisions and the director was like oh everything you do is fucking beautiful jensen because they thought everything everybody did was fucking beautiful right. uh, how many yeah um yeah. This was like four seasons into Supernatural, too. Yeah, that's so, exactly what I was checking. It was just like it's it that that is the point at which yeah, so it, he, it is legitimately good. So. Yeah, and he was so you know he he was certainly limbered up on the form by then. Uh, he had previously done like uh, at least one soap opera, I think, uh, and yeah, Lackey yeah, had did. done uh, Gilmore Girls a bunch. I guess I never actually saw any of that, but uh, so they both had some like TV franchise stuff before Supernatural as well. To to, to get in gear with, I guess. Oh, apparently the guy that played um, Axel was on 113 episodes of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah. I had not... That... I yeah, mean, that's, that's, yeah that's, like, that's his soap opera background. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's worked pretty consistently, seemingly. Um, yeah, so the... Um, it's the acting in this movie, I, I don't know, nobody... Um, it also seemed like a lot of people in this movie just weren't trying at all. Like, um, Megan's character, uh, who is just like the, the, like the, the employee of, uh, Axel's wife, who he is also having an affair with and has impregnated as we find out. Yes. In like, Which apparently was something that someone just came up with one day during a writing conference that was not originally in the script. And and uh, and they were so proud of the decision to run with that and then not come back to it because what a misdirection! 
they I think the guys who made this movie think a misdirection is what you call it when you don't fucking follow up on something. <laughs> like it's like a misdirection. Yeah, it's like that's just that's just that's just fucking sloppy plotting. That's 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 the exact opposite of like taut good narrative. Like you know, some fucking in the, in- red hair like you've got an entire fucking aquarium full of red herrings. You're like, "Yep. We're going to make some fucking mystery stew tonight." <laughs> I feel like inside of this movie, if you remove all of, like, the violence and murder and give it just a traditional plot about, like, you know, the prodigal son coming back to the mining town with intent to sell it, but then, he, you know, he meets his ex-girlfriend and, you know, just coincidentally her husband's having an affair with somebody who, you know, he uh, knocks up, and then there's, like, either a romantic comedy or, like, a primetime drama in this thing somewhere that is just replaced in this movie with a bunch of murders. Yeah. By a guy in a mining suit. Um, the plot of this was just—it was—it just like struck me as a very just sort of normal movie that have you know suddenly uh, break out and murder. Yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no. Uh, if if you'll forgive me, there's no heart to the movie. Is is kind of the thing. Like it doesn't feel like there's any. There's no clear sense of why this movie was made, and there's no clear sense of how the people who made this movie felt about the original that they went and did. And I, I realize that's, in a way, an incredibly naive way to approach it. Because, like, if I'm going to pretend that every time some you know classic horror movie gets rebooted, it's because there's a great abiding love driving the project. Yeah. Obviously, no, not the case. But but still, it's a weird it's a weird one to remake without that clear sense of love. Because like it's not like anybody was anybody saying you know what they should really do they should remake My Bloody Valentine that eighty one Canadian horror film it's just it's it's time to come back as a Pennsylvanian horror film you know it it, it, it bothers me a little bit to like I don't I don't think the original was so successful that anybody would make the clear pocketbook decision to I wonder if that they just property. got like a script that they know works for super cheap with the rights maybe maybe because like the the uh, the original I, I think the original screenwriter is credited has like a writing credit for it no that's not right some, some, there's something like that oh it was a story by credit so they they got the rights to it yeah um yeah, I wonder if that that was part of it. It was just that they were up for cheap at like the the auction of somebody's estate, uh, or, or something like that, and then that's why they remade it because it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't even an American horror movie, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a Canadian horror movie with. I mean, it was the effects were great, but that's not something they carried over to this, unless you consider the like you know middling horror effects, but in 3D to be that much of a of a difference between like good and bad horror effects. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah, that's the that's the thing. It, it, it's weird that uh, you know all else aside, that movie seems like it was about all the you know goofy horror movie kills that I didn't you know mostly get to see yeah. when I watched it. Uh, and then, and then this film doesn't seem to. I don't know. It's weird. I, I've complicated. Like, I don't want to see say that they didn't care about the effects because obviously they put a bunch of effort into it. But I feel like yeah. most of that effort ended up being into the three D stuff. And so there were a couple, like you know, murders where I was like, oh my god, that's that's so dumb and great. But most of them were like, oh, he killed someone with a pickaxe, and hey, the pickaxe is pointing towards the screen now. You know, yeah. it's like it's just the same fucking thing, and it's it's just not super. Uh, 
super satisfying. There's not the sense of doting, oh man, check out what we pulled off here. Uh, even though, you know, I, I, I'm sure like, like they did a good job with the effects. They aren't bad. Tunnicliffe knows what he's doing. We've seen a bunch of bad films that he's done good effects for at this point. Um, cause he was, he, he did, uh, like a lot of the latter, uh, Hellraiser uh, movies. I, if I remember right. Um, yeah, I think he. I, I think they went overboard with CGI a couple of times when it just became. It was just like this is too obviously CGI. Yeah, um, like there was uh, like a couple of times the um, when he kills. I think the first girl in the mining pits, and he's just like he pins her to. It, and this was really uh, reminiscent of like the, that opening, uh, the, the cold open scene to My Bloody Valentine, where he like impales her on a protruding pickaxe. And this one. Uh, it's in the mines, and he, he jams a shovel, like, into her, like, you know, horizontally into her mouth, basically, and then just sort of knocks it in with the pickaxe, which severs her, you know, the lower half of her body from her upper half by, like, the jawline, and the body drops out, and, like, the top of the head just, like, slowly slides down the shovel towards the camera. Yeah. And that was just cheesy as shit. It, it was cheesy, but that was one of the few things that I was, like, I was laughing, because, like, okay... I accept it. You came up with a dumb, silly kill. And, and and as much as it was, like, really, really obviously an effect, even in the sense that yeah. obviously anybody being murdered in a horror movie is an effect, this was obviously a big sort of, like, showreel sizzle you, effect from did, it. Did but, you ever go back to the original and, and, and rewatch the death scenes? No, I really... Or I, find them? Uh, I, I think that might be coloring my appreciation of it, just because I have seen a minor kill people in much more creative ways. Yeah. That this one is just like it, it seems like a pale imitation of the stuff that they were doing in the original. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that I thought the shovel thing was at least a little bit inspired in a goofy, schlocky horror sense. Yeah, like that. It was better than now. It I'll was paint the only the one ceiling. like that in the movie. Yeah, and so in in that sense, I I appreciated that one because they obviously picked something super fucking silly and ran with it, and it stands out like it's it's a memorable scene, even if not necessarily you know a particularly. Amazingly executed. One. Yeah, I guess except for that and the one where he just like slowly lowers the guy, the guy's head on like the protruding pickaxe point, and it keeps doing like a shot reverse shot, and the pickaxe point is clearly supposed to be in three D, like all yeah. up in your face. Um, that that one was also memorable, but only because it, it felt like I was just I, I was being presented with something and just missing the the biggest part of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Oh, you know, a, a quick couple side references here. The the people who made this, the, Todd Farmer, the the main co writer, I guess, and then uh, and then the director. Uh, Todd Farmer was in Jason X, which he also wrote. <laughs> so he's got that sort of connection there. Um, and I don't think he's done a ton of other stuff. Actually, um, he's he's been in a bunch of Friday the Thirteenth related documentaries after Jason X came out uh, as himself. I guess because he was in that. But Patrick Lucier, uh, the the director of this, uh, I think he's he, he's mostly an editor, and he's done editing yeah. on a ton of, of horror movies in particular. Uh, he also he edited, directed the third Prophecy movie. Yes, yes, that's the other big thing. You know, he he, he directed Prophecy three, which uh, I realize he didn't write it, but at the same time, that some of the weird incoherent feelings of. Uh, this movie, I feel like, tie over somewhat directly to that. and I do not remember a thing about Prophecy 3. I could not tell you what that movie was about or what happens in it. I remember the weird thing with the uh, other... 
like power struggling angel who we hadn't heard about at all in the first two movies was somehow the big bad of Prophecy 3 and Gabriel has this weird sort of redemptive thing where he starts the movie off as like a homeless mortal because he got turned into a mortal at the end of Prophecy 2 and then he spends Prophecy 3 doing things like driving through the desert playing his trumpet uh, in his convertible and you know he's learned to drive and eventually he sort of gets his he gets his uh, groove back at the end and stops the weird evil or not necessarily evil but ambitious other angel it yeah it, there's not anything super coherently memorable about it but in any case it felt a little bit weird and incoherent as a sequel so the fact that this movie feels a little bit weird and incoherent as a reboot i guess is you know consistent there um and the thing is i i, I think maybe what it comes down to is maybe this guy has a lot more editor credits than director credits for that reason, you know, he may be yeah. a really great editor. You know, he edited uh, the first three Scream movies. Um, uh, he edited Apollo 18, which I liked well enough. Uh, Wait, is that the one with Tom Hanks, or is that the horror movie about the, the, the horror movie? The horror movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he edited several episodes of the Highlander television show. Oh, and, I remember that. And, and of MacGyver. No. Oh, how old is this guy? <laughs> Uh, appar- apparently a little bit older because yeah that was like 1990 1991 yeah. was MacGyver uh, so yeah I, I think it's uh, the oldest credit I thought I think I saw like yeah like an assistant editor or something in like 87 or something um, in any case like you know as far as I can tell he's not he, he, he seems like he's uh, an editor who can edit he's edited good stuff yep. um, I think that maybe just doesn't translate super well to directorials. And it sort of explains some of how they were talking about stuff on the commentary too, because they kept talking about like, you know, specific choices in sort of, uh, they use the the word misdirection like 10 fucking times in the first (laughs) half hour and, and not always first. I don't remember there being a lot of misdirection. Well, and that's the thing. I I think I, I, I hear misdirection talking about like how they're setting up. And I think of like, you know, narrative misdirection and I think he was just talking about like visual misdirection like okay we'll have this thing happen and the eye will follow that way and you're expecting something there and something happens over here instead like that sort of sense okay that's that's some visual misdirection but it, it, it was not like you know when, when someone's like and here's one of the film's big misdirections I'm thinking you're telling me about how you're telling me the story not how you're making me look at the wrong part of the screen before a jump scare you know so I, I I'm not maybe that's part of what it is it's like you know this is a lot of this movie felt like they had not decided who the killer was throughout most of the shooting of this movie. Yeah. Like, if it, it could have had, like, a clue-type ending where, you know, there's one ending where it's Jensen Eccles and there's one ending where it's Axel, and they would have been almost equally coherent yeah. if somebody had been like, oh, no, that's a lie. It's like, I was only working at the mental institution or something like that. Yep. Where, you know, like, by the time you get to, like, the boxes planted, like, or possibly planted, I don't know. Did they ever describe that? We did, never- did they ever indicate why, like, in his little... Fuck Shack thing. He had all those things. That did Jensen Eccles was supposed to have planted those? Is he supposed to have been getting a lot of Valentines? I I guess Jensen must have planted it because, because yeah, you think they show that in the flashback of him like doing the stuff? That would have been an important one because uh, yeah, they they referred to several things that got cut out uh, in the the edit in the bit of the commentary I listened to. Like like originally Harry Warden in the early bit. Uh, you see him sort of menacingly glaring at the nurse and then like mm-hmm. actually attacking her and they, they, they cut that. Uh, apparently in the scene where Jensen is talking to uh, 
oh, what's his name? Ben Dover, the white haired guy who, uh, whose house he went to to find out that he couldn't actually. Uh, Wait, is the guy's name actually Ben Dover? No, it's uh, Ben Foley. Oh, Ben Foley. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that guy apparently was going to make it clear that, in fact, he was the one who pushed back the meeting because he wanted <laughs> Tom to stay the weekend and stay in town and reconsider. But they cut that out uh, as well because they decided, you know. So it, it may be that there are things that we actually would have preferred that they left in that they had originally and then cut out. I don't know exactly. I haven't gone looking for details on specifically what got cut and I'm not sitting through the rest of the commentary. <laughs> so maybe someone else will you know look into it and let us know. Um, I really did not expect to be so grumpily down on, on this. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be like good, but I think the problem is it's like, it wasn't particularly good and it wasn't bad in an interesting way. And this is the problem we've run into before with other stuff too, but it's just like, it's just, if I, I wasn't pleased with the film and I don't have very many interesting things to say about why I'm not pleased with it. It just wasn't very good. Yeah. I mean, I think the, possibly like the single most interesting part of this movie for me was just the scene with um, like the gratuitous nudity scene was just like so weird and just like kind of out there that it was I was just like I was interested in watching what was happening there where she you know like it was uh, Betsy Roo who you know you introduce she's she's the one that has the 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 memorable line over the pants hand job um, and then you see her later and she's you know screwing uh a character who I guess is named Frank the Trucker as his official character name. <laughs> um, and then she's just like, you know, she's going like, yes, yes. And he's just like, what's up? She's just like, oh, I just look so good, like in the middle of fucking, which I thought was hilarious. And then, you know, it turns out that he had videotaped her and she's really not okay with this. And so she follows him out into the parking lot completely in the nude and pulls a gun on him. And it was just like, this is just a scene from a much more interesting movie about her life. Yep. Yeah, no, it's like there, she's already got the gun. Um, you know, it's ready, and it is like the first thing that she goes to. Like he walks out of there, and she's just like she's not, she's not scared. She's just pissed off. Goes into her purse, gets the gun out, and just walks outside. It's just like this is, you know, I'd like to see this movie instead. Yeah, it felt like for a minute there, there was like an actual like character. Yeah. Like, like I don't actually know how this is going to play out. Is she in fact going to straight up shoot a dude? Uh, and then, no, she throws a gun at his nose, apparently. Because it wasn't loaded. He's just like, that gun's not loaded. And she's like, ah, and she just throws the gun, and you get, like, this 3D, zoo- like, sort of like the Matrix-y, like, 3D, like, ar- zooming around the moving object thing. Yeah. And it hits him in the face. <laughs> and it doesn't, like, you know, do any particular kind of damage, but it clearly hurts him. And I thought it was pretty funny. And then, and then the miner kills him by... Uh, uh, in a very, uh, what do you call it? It's a Starship Troopers sort of thing, uh, where just like the pickaxe goes directly into like the center of the top of his head. Yep. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the, the, the ship captain in, uh, in Starship Troopers dies. Right, yeah. I, I don't remember anybody's name from Starship Troopers. Nope. <laughs> I just learned that, like, the last time I rewatched it, I just had picked up that Gary Busey's character name was actually Ace. It had not occurred to me before, and I thought people just called him Ace. <laughs> but I, I believe that was like the character name. I, the whole time I thought it was just like, oh, hey, buddy, or something like that. Um, <laughs> now, there was a movie, Starship Troopers. Yep. We could do it sometimes. It's not really a horror movie, though. But, uh, you know, 
I guess we could just choose to watch it on our own time and discuss it jovially in a friendly fashion on some occasion. Yeah. Axel uh, <laughs> Palmer in this movie has the least covered up affair in cinema history. Yeah, yet. seriously. And and like, and to her credit, apparently his wife sort of gets this, although it's not clear if it's a sudden dawning realization or if she's just a total wuss about not having ever said anything about it because she seems to play it off as not having any idea up until the moment where she's like, "I'm not blind." Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That was a thing. Like I am at the. I when that happened, I became very very confused as to. Um, whether or not, like, she had just figured this out or she had known the whole time and was just pretending, like, A, doing a very good job of being, like, her husband's girlfriend's boss. Yeah. And, and B, like, treat, like, being okay with, with the whole situation while they were, you know, like, together, like, the scenes that they have at home. Yeah. Like, including, like, the one scene where she's just like, what are you doing? And, like, the answer is clearly I'm watching, like, a sex tape of my dead ex-girlfriend. Um, but no, he's looking at it for evidence because Jensen Eccles passes in the window, but he did not have to replay it that many times. Yep. Also, where does that scene take place? The, the because she goes through some like you see him like the, I guess they're like remodeling their house a little bit, but that's just what I'm assuming because yeah, what the fuck was going on there? Like we get no reference to, to why he's behind clean shower curtains in their it's house. Just, yeah. yeah, so it's like I, I, I'm assuming they're remodeling something. But it's bizarre that we have to come up with an explanation because, yeah. Also, okay, so at this point, I'm kind of tired of the movie itself. Let's talk theories. <laughs> Theory okay. number one. Theory number one. Sarah Palmer, Palmer, Axel Palmer. We've got a small town. We've got people dying. We've got people named Palmer. This is a Twin Peaks spinoff. It's the same Palmer family. They've got they've, they've got relatives Leland. Uh, what wasn't Sarah? Wasn't wasn't Laura Palmer's mom also? Was she named Sarah? Oh, I don't remember. I, I, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but in any case, yes, these are the Palmers. These are the Pennsylvania Palmers. Uh, the Pennsylvania Palmers. Yes, you know, and and they're uh, they're distinct from the Portland Palmers. Yes, yes. Well, the twins. Do you guys Palmers, get Uts chips out there? We don't. I saw the Uts. I was like Uts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not so much a thing over here. So it's, yeah, it's. I mean, I guess if you guys don't get it, where where you know you listeners don't get it, where you are, it's a Pennsylvania brand. Um, but it is in New York City. It is just like you 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 don't go into a convenience store and they they they, they don't have Uts. That is just like the one brand they, that will reliably be anywhere you go. Yeah, and it was it was kind of nice to see that. I guess that was my own little private Moosehead beer. <laughs> And there was also a bag of Salsitas brand chips, which I love and which are so hard to find because they they come from L.A. Oh. Um, yeah, in L.A. they were super easy to find here. Like, you see them once in a while, but, like, you got to know, like, the one store that stocks them and they'll have, like, two bags left. Um, <laughs> they are my favorite chips ever, so uh, it's I, I make a mental note every time I see them. Um, but yeah, okay, I can see that. So Axel Palmer being, you know, like Leland Palmer's nephew, yeah, grand nephew, or, or yeah, yeah, or or Sarah, yeah, because I guess Axel's the Palmer. Sarah just took his name, so yeah, he's got to be in the family, and then Sarah married in. But but we've also got uh, Jensen Ackles wandering around killing people while otherwise seeming like uh, not a, a terrible person. It's it's Bob all over again. You know, <laughs> Harry and Bob. Are are uh, spiritual brothers, like in the literal sense that they are spirits who also happen to be. So they're they're doing their own uh, possessive murder sprees uh, in different industrial 
towns uh, in different parts of the nation. I bet they got franchises all over the place, and it's always you know yeah. Palmers and if you know so so there's one. That's a possibility. It's not really developed. It's mostly just people named Palmer. But uh, my theory is that this is a lost supernatural episode, and it was lost for on purpose because <laughs> uh, there have been more than or at least one episode where like. Uh, Jensen Eccles, or, well, Dean and Sam wake up as, like, you know, different people, you know, possibly not knowing each other or, like, missing a whole bunch of memory. And this could have very easily been that, just because, like, the Dean character just shines through at times, and it's a lot of times it's just a very confused and mentally unwell young man. Yeah, maybe maybe just, this is an episode where Dean is possessed by the spirit of Tom Hanninger, a young man who died while possessed by the spirit of, of Harry Warden. And so Dean's stuck with a double layer possession uh, and he's trying to find his way out of it. And in the meantime, there's a, there's a parallel movie where, where Sam is stuck in camp crystal Lake and they have to, they have to resolve both of their things so that they can get back to their timeline via a quantum leap because Scott Bakula is also involved somehow. This oh, is all happening on the – Both of them just sort of like stare at the camera and say, uh-oh. This is a, this wait, is a, no, wait. Was that the line? Shit. Sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, okay. it's about what he would say. I don't know if that was the exact line. But, uh, but yeah, it sounds like what Bakula would have said. So what's actually happening here, this movie and the Friday the 13th reboot with Padalecki are long-lost special edition hollow novels that Captain Bakula – on Enterprise is enjoying on a weird alien ship where they've run into an alien who has holodeck technology and also uh, does a bunch of archival research on Earth. And so we're watching weird, lost, future holonovel fanfic uh, spin-off stuff of Supernatural involving these double-layered possession scenarios. And, and Bacula's just like, man, this is so amazing. This is, this is so great. Uh... Now I'm going to go back to my ship and we'll never reference this again because that's how <laughs> the plotting works on Enterprise. And the episode uh, is called Shaka When the Walls Fell. <laughs> they were talking about the walls of the holodeck and Shaka was so upset because he's like, oh man, I was using the holodeck, man. Okay, so here's, here, here, here's another one. And this is, this is something that I had hopes for briefly, although I didn't necessarily think the film was going to go here. We established that Jensen is coming back to town because he owns the majority share of the mine and he's going to sell the mine. We established that he was going to just show up and sign the papers, but the meeting's been moved to after the weekend. Uh, so he has to stay in town for a few days. I was kind of hoping what would happen is everybody in the town wants him not to sell the mine and some of them are willing to kill for it. And so he'd spend like the movie maybe being menaced by people in minor suits and it's a bunch of different people like 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 12 like on different the movie people. Poster. Yeah, like 12 different people in the town want to kill him to stop him from selling the mine for their various different reasons. But did they uh, team up or did they all have the one same idea, which was to dress up as Harry yeah, Warden? Yeah, they all have the same like idea. The most it's a, obvious yeah, thing. it's a mining town. There's a legend of Harry Warden. They all independently come to this idea. And then they're very, and that's why we can never figure out who it is. Cause it doesn't make sense. Cause nobody hasn't been, you know, on screen during all of the murders. And so it's like, it, it must, it must not be him. It must not be, but then who could it be? And it turns out it was all of them. They were taking turns and they didn't even know they just got into this. And I, I think that would have been a really fucking fun movie. You I, know, if they'd gone in that direction with it. 
I think that would have been good, but only if maybe, like, in the third act, at least a bunch of them discover that there's a bunch of other guys dressed up as Harry Warden, and then they all start killing each other, like at the beginning of, um, what do you call it, the beginning of uh, Dark Knight, uh, with, like, where like they all do they all off each other or or is he killing all of them I don't I don't recall but either way in this one like they would just each like kill each other one by one and then one would emerge triumphant and then he would take off the mask it would be you know Jensen Eccles in there right um, like he figured that was going on and then decided to fight fire with fire and started dressing up as his own minor murderer to stop the people trying to minor murder him. But that that was, oh, you know that would have been a that would have been oh a by the way this film. this there was two things uh, in this movie that I remember that one it did the um it did the like and then his eyes open ending just like not exactly where like at the end of the move this movie like a bunch of like miners go to rescue him and apparently he kills one of them because like he well he kills one of them on screen but then like in the like ending ending you see him like take off that guy's clothes and then. Every time in this movie he removes his mining gear, he just like does a really deep inhale kind of choking thing. I don't think he knows how to use that equipment. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is you can breathe. I think is yeah. the whole point of the thing. Yeah, I was I was actually a little bit disappointed by that that ending thing because like I get the idea that they're setting up ah he lived after all because yeah they find mm-hmm. him in the mine. Uh, he kills a guy, steals a suit, presumably just kills the one guy because you know everybody yeah. else keeps sort of just going in and looking around. So I guess he was discreet about it and hid the body or something. But then, yeah, so we we see him come out. And the thing is, the camera is on him. We know we're watching the very end of a horror movie. Yeah. You know, we see this guy stumbling out. And he's sort of like walking out and bent over a little bit and conspicuously holding his hand against his gut where he was, you know, shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's enough here, especially with the camera lingering on this dude and him being the, the total focal point of this long shot obviously it's fucking jensen obviously it's the dude getting out there you know and i i think it would have been worked i would have liked it a lot more if they they had that tiny little bit of trust in the audience and said okay you can read the cinematography of this scene obviously this is the guy but instead he did a completely fucking stupid thing of taking his mask off which is exactly what you'd want not do if you're like a known murderer sneaking out of the murder scene and still right there but you know it's just get like ten feet out. Yeah, just not next to like the clearly busy ambulance. But but you know yeah. that, like, that was the mm-hmm. people were sure not to miss it when he takes off his mask, so they went with that. But the other yeah. thing was that um, when he's like locked when um, what do you call it when you know Harry Warden or like the vision of it like locks him into the thing. Um, and then you see, like, you see him just, like, trying to get out of there, and then you see, like, you know, Harry Warden's face pop up all of a sudden, like, dun dun. And then, because, and they're both bent over, and then both, uh, you know, Jensen and Harry Warden rise, and it's just, like, so clearly, like, okay, it's a mirror. I fucking get it. Yeah, it yeah. It's like, eh, yeah. We, uh, we were hoping they would, like, do an extended murder, like, like mirror, mirror yeah. game thing there, but it didn't happen. And yeah, no. like, at, at that point, I was like, it, it, it seemed like they were clearly trying to set up further the possibility that this yeah. is, in fact, you know, some sort of projection in Jensen's mind. Uh, Which I think would else. be just, you know, kind of obvious around the time when, like, the miner doesn't – literally the only person the miner encounters who he doesn't kill is Jensen Eccles. Yeah. Um, you know, like, he did the, just if there's people in the surrounding environment, he will kill all of them except the one person he spares in this movie, which 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess just, you know, just does not speak well to what the directors thought of the intelligence of the people watching this. Yeah. Um, On the commentary, they mentioned the the scene early in the film, the 10 years previously, where the uh old sheriff and deputy shoot Harry Warden and the blood gets on Jensen's face. Because mm-hmm. he's right, right on the other side, and they talk about that being literally the moment of transference. And it was not clear to me whether they were trying to propose an actual supernatural mechanism, or they were just being, you know, sort of saying literally to mean figuratively, kind of over communication of the idea that metaphorically that is how the audience might interpret a moment of transference. I, I kind of felt like they thought Harry Warden was a virus yeah. that got splattered on his face, but. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. But yeah, that was definitely apparently how they were envisioning it. You know what? Speaking uh, of that, there's there's a part where like, is it Axel where somebody like tr- like does like a big reveal? It's like, you know, hey, you know, 10 years ago, you, your, your old man and like some other guy went to all vigilante justice on Harry Warden and shot him. It's like, I, that did not look like vigilante justice. That guy just had clearly murdered a bunch of people I think, and was I about think to murder one I think the implication is that they tracked him down after he managed to stumble full of bullets out of sight in the mine. Did he get away? He, 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 got, he stumbled away, yeah. We did not see them actually successfully put a stop to Harry Warden in that scene. We just saw, because he shoots him and there's the blood on Jenton's face yeah. and Harry sort of crumples a bit and, and the sheriff says, stay down, Harry. And and then Harry gets up and they shoot him some more and then like, yeah, he 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 runs off. Does he? Uh, which is, which is what happens sort of at the end of the first one too, if you remember right. There's the ha 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 laughing and like on the other side of a rock yeah. slide or something. So like he got away. But uh, but yeah no so he gets he, he gets away ish you would assume that he was going to fall down dead yeah. along the way but we have the whole ah but is it like a supernatural sort of killer sort of thing where who fucking knows like you know Jason keeps getting up too and so apparently Harry Warden is literally some sort of fucking supernatural hard to kill thing or something but they don't elaborate that at all it's just that's what happens I guess and so I think the implication is that they then went and found Harry and really properly killed him and buried him. Because, yeah, like if it was the, right there, there, would, there wouldn't be anything vigilante about it. It doesn't make sense yeah. if that was the vigilante justice because that was straight up, hey, you're trying to murder people. I will shoot you if you don't stop as the cop in the situation. Yeah, so they, they must have killed him later. But, yeah, there's nothing in the movie to back that up except for exposition to justify going to the grave, which is... Totally pointless scene. It's just like it was the the sheriff's plan was to raise the bones. I mean, I don't know if the guy who was telling him it was a shitty plan was being figurative or not because he was just like you're, you're going to you know raise up the bones in town square. And I do not know if that was like literally what he was going to do or if he's going to like take a picture and be like, no, yeah, see here, there's there's still bones in here. Yeah, um, which doesn't speak well to the movie's ability to tell me what's about <laughs> well, to happen. Well, I feel like I, I wonder to some extent if some of these just were partly because they were thinking, well, when we have the reveal, when we have the big reveal, yeah. then we can have a flashback montage of various places where Jensen was, where quote unquote Harry Warden was, but it was just Jensen and among those we have him like digging up uh, Harry Warden's grave. Why was he doing that? I Because uh, he was having a psychotic break and he thought also that he was Harry Warden in some sort of... So he was going back so, to get his like old equipment? I, or something. I don't in know. The, Again, it's, yeah, it's not clear. It's, it, how would it, he know where he was buried? I don't fucking know. I guess maybe his dad maybe his dad was part of the vigilante squad and or something or <laughs> I don't fucking know. 
I, I do not know is my response to many of the things in this question <laughs> in this movie that I can actually manage to. Let me let, let, let me just take a quick break from uh, from exoriating things to uh, say there was uh, a moment I remember very much enjoying in the film, which is when Jensen wanders into the bar. Was the bar actually was that the Canary Cage? There's definitely some place called the Canary Cage in this town because there was a sign in the bar for a Valentine's Day event there. Yeah. Um, but so I wasn't yeah, sure if that was it or not. Anyway, cute name. Which furthers my idea that this was in fact a gay bar. Ah, it could be. Uh, but anyway, he wanders in and uh, the old sheriff and the old deputy are there and the old deputy just straight like 80 year old guy just fucking clocks him right across the face <laughs> and then goes for yep. it again a couple times doesn't get a land anymore some beef and the second younger. time Jensen actually tries to punch him back <laughs> which is <laughs> that, so that was that, that was a great 10 seconds of the film I enjoyed that yeah. some beefy jerk tries to punch Jensen too and punches a mirror and hurts his hand That's and then something. you see the mirror get punched in like 3D I guess you're supposed <laughs> to see it much closer to your face I don't know it's a, it's a guy's fist like impacting a flat surface I'm not sure how that was supposed to play out in 3D yeah but it was clearly a 3D shot. You know, when the uh, guys when the guys were watching the director's commentary or giving the director's commentary and watching the film, I think they were watching it again in 3D. So they were also sort of appreciating some of the 3D effects while I'm listening to it, watching it in 2D and listening to them go on about it. Because uh, they, they, they mentioned how much – one of them mentioned how much he liked the, the floating heart. And it was like a heart drawn in blood on a mirror in the hospital, ah. which in 2D, just like, you know, yeah, it's a, they drew a heart on the mirror in blood. But I guess in 3D, you've got sort of like the weird depth effect of the heart sort of floating in the mid-space and then the reflection in the far side, which would probably be kind of cool. But yeah, so that, that may be part of why I was extra annoyed at the commentary is they were ooing and eyeing over shit that was not visible on, you know, a DVD at home. Uh, yeah. Well, that 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 settles it. I'm getting a 3D television and a 3D Blu-ray player, well, and you know, I went I, to a 3D movie yesterday, actually, right before Red Lobster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that? How was your your Red Lobster Valentine's? I saw it. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, uh, my wife, who does not like seafood, was was. Uh, why did she go? Why? Why would, did did she I, owe you? No, I mean I think it's the. I think at this point it was the opposite. Uh, I will owe her for um, forcing her to go to Red Lobster in Times Square. Where had we not made reservations? The wait would have been two hours. Jesus Christ! Is, I, I did not realize that you know Red Lobster was one of the single most um, you know exclusive restaurants in Manhattan. It just did not occur to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was delicious, uh, and I ate way, way too much food. But we also went to go see uh, Seventh Son in 3D, and that was almost a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, that was just middling. It was a mid. It was like almost a middling Dungeons and Dragons movie, as far as just everything. Which is and also than the very, very and clearly a movie, YA so. movie. What? Which is significantly better than the actual Dungeons and Dragons movie was. The first one, yes. The second one. Have you seen the second Dungeons and Dragons movie? I have not. It is. I don't want to say it's low budget, but it's definitely not a like big budget movie. It was direct to DVD, and it's actually based on D and D like mythos stuff. Interesting. It, it's actually a Dungeons and Dragons movie from like what you would expect. That it's just the Rather plot's not great, and the effects are a film with Marlon Wayans in it. That was the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, I, I I remember being really burnt by that movie when it came out. Uh, 
Um, there was a there. Okay, here's a here's a scene I liked from the movie, not because it was good, but because it was funny, and it it, it felt, felt like one of the soap opera ist shots in in a film that feels like it has a lot of soap opera to it. Uh, the, they're in the hospital. Uh, one of the times they're in the hospital, I don't I don't remember exactly what the setup even was. Um, maybe Jensen's in the hospital or something, and and Sarah goes to see him or something like that maybe but in any case the sheriff comes out from behind a hospital curtain where he apparently has been hiding for I don't oh, know yeah. how long just sweeps the curtain aside steps out and says yeah talking about, about my wife who I share a bed with and have sex with and is like are you 12 oh my fucking god what the hell just happened here it was kind of it was an amazing moment it is like the second moment also in this movie where, you know, the sheriff is is just very much displays how threatened he feels in his either masculinity or just ability to keep his wife. Um, because in, they're like during the diner scene before he takes off almost literally with the person he's having an affair with. Like one of them gets up and leaves and the other one's just like, well, guess it's time for me to go. Uh, you stay here, uh, deputy. I'm going to go by myself to not follow that woman. Um, but yeah, like there's a point at which like one of the numerous gray haired old guys is just like, he's kind of like flirting, but like not in a like particularly creepy way with, um, what's her name? Sarah, where he's just, uh, you know, they, they, they clearly have like a friendly relationship. He's just like, when are you going to leave? And then, you know, this bozo and run away with me. And she's just like, ah, you know, I'm free on Saturday. (laughs) And, um, Axel is just like, Hey man, I'm right here. It's just like, really? You Really? I think we should really? assume that she actually was planning to hook up with that guy on Saturday. <laughs> like, like, like she's obviously sold as the like you know super duper good girl done wrong by circumstance. Yeah. Uh, but but I kind of okay. So th- this is another thing. Like getting back to the theory about like everybody trying to murder Jensen. I also liked the idea that maybe everybody in town was the murderer in this actual film <laughs> in the actual story they made. And, and like that's you know same basic mechanic, just everybody's gone insane. Maybe there's some sort of problem with like you know uh, gas released from the mines. Like the, the mines have released some serious like uh, gas fissure, and it's been slowly poisoning everyone in the town of of Harmony, Pennsylvania. And so they've all sort of collectively moving towards psychotic breaks. And the the Harry Warden Valentine's Day et cetera stuff just pushes a bunch of people over the edge, and they start just dressing up like him and murdering each other. Uh, and yeah. and Jensen Jensen didn't kill anybody, nobody. He's just still got serious PTSD from the the Harry Warden counter ten years ago. But it all gets pinned on him anyway because everybody else manages to either you know keep it mum or die after murdering somebody. And then, oh, but 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 at the end, Sarah somehow exonerates him, uh, yes, because she was one of the few people that wasn't a murderer. And then it turns back into that romantic comedy I was talking about right. that exists in this movie. Except she actually was one of the murderers. I think she killed the lady who was sleeping with her shitty husband while she was holding her from the other side. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's reasonable because it's that's exactly as reasonable as the mind actually managed to getting around there. Well, and this is this is something that I think happened. Oh shit! I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I, I think I might be confusing uh, something from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, uh, 
with the original uh, My Bloody Valentine because there was definitely a scene somewhere where someone managed to get like from the outside of a house to the kitchen to the out like like the second story of the outside of a house and I think maybe this was the Friday the Thirteenth Part Three yeah. thing but in any case this idea of like the logistically implausible supernatural speed of the Hulking Killer uh, the same thing happens here where like the guys banging on the door trying to break the door in and then like suddenly it's too quiet for like five fucking seconds and then yeah. Megan gets killed from outside the window like you would have heard the guy booking it if it was even possible for him to do it which no that would have been that would have been like 10 15 20 seconds to get out of the building and back around the side you know it doesn't make any fucking sense but well, the side and up high enough because they were on a fire escape weren't they, they i don't think what the were was the thing that they were in at ground level i think i think it was more or less I don't ground think level it, it might have been like it was uh, i think there was a fire escape out there maybe i don't know i i want to say it was like am i imagining that I think you might be. I think. I mean, it, it would have made sense for it to be sort of a fire. I, it it might have been like mm-hmm. a half a flight up or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The point is fucking ridiculous, but that's what happened in the movie. So I don't see why it couldn't have been her somehow psychically projecting her own murder self or something. Because why not have uh, psychokinetic, psychokinetic clones at this point uh, if we're trying to come up with something interesting to have actually happened in this film? Uh, yeah, and that's when it becomes a supernatural episode. Exactly. Boom. That's because now we deal. have something supernatural and, um, you know, like, uh, uh, Sam shows up, you know, he runs in with like, uh, Jason's hockey mask being like, sorry, I'm late. I got, you know, held up somewhere. And then it turns out that the mask is like the artifact that they need to, to send the, the, the ghost of Harry or the ghost of Harry Warden back to hell or something. Right. Because right. it turns out Harry Warden's also Jason. Yep. Harry, Harry, Jason and Bob, uh, Voorhees. Three brothers, all killed before their time, all wreaking havoc on rural American or North American, at least towns. Uh, so yeah, I guess. Well, they could they could be related because Warden Voorhees Ellis Island. You know, one side of the family came a little earlier than the other. Right, right. Uh, and yeah, they got renamed the Wardens, and then they moved out to. Uh, to Pennsylvania and became miners for several generations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's another theory. It was a black dude. Um, he's sick. Who doesn't die in this movie? I know, he doesn't. He doesn't. And that nothing was... incriminating catches him. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's progress at least. He didn't get, like, randomly yeah. murdered. Uh, but I think it's because he was actually doing all the killing. He was so fucking tired of being surrounded by pain in the ass, racist ass white folk from rural Pennsylvania. And he's like, fuck it. And he just, he starts systematically murdering people. And, uh, and he oh. totally gets away with it. Yeah. Hmm. I, I got one. So you know how uh, Axel and um, Sarah seem to live in like an enormous house with, you know, a... Uh, not a living maid, but I guess a daytime maid, a housekeeper. Yeah. Um, and one of them works for or in her parents' like depart- uh, grocery store, like general store. Right. And the other one is the town sheriff. They don't have that kind of money. Yes. I I, I think that they uh, they have been there have been some financial irregularities with the books at the mines. Um, and now that uh, you know Tom had showed up. 
it it would be and you know he's trying to sell the place and now you know third parties are going to be looking at those books ah. and if they find out that you know somehow that the you know the sheriff uh, has been, or and you know his wife have been cooking the books or like you know they have an insult man in there or something that would be very bad so in order to spook off the investors they kill a bunch of people right right beautiful because yeah that because because we're we're led to think that's like people are just worried about losing their jobs but these people are worried about like federal like you know racketeering charges or some shit uh like serious serious uh like you know federal prison time uh, so yes, no, I like or it. Or it I could like that. be that it's not that uh, the the what do you call it the um, the sheriff guy Axel isn't involved. It's just Sarah and that guy she was going to run away with. Ooh. But she's been bringing that money home, and they've both been living off of it. Right, and he just doesn't ask any questions. Yes, that's uh, yes. I, I I think that's probably what it is. Plus, she murdered a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a theory. Do you, do, you, do you know why Jensen Ackles wanted to uh, basically get rid of all the minority shareholders of the mine? Because he wanted it to be mine, all mine. Oh! Yeah? Okay. I was going to say, was uh, he going to put it out of business and short it? No, it's a pun. Uh, nope. uh, spooky old house. What could possibly be in this spooky old house? Oh my gosh, spooky old house. Let's look around. Tense music. Oh, it's a rat eating chocolates. I was a little let down. I was a little let down. I mean, I I, I liked the rat, but it yeah. really felt like they were going to try and sell something super scary. And it turns out, no, it's just it's a rat. No, it turns into like literally an awe yeah. kind of scene because it's a cute little. It, it you know, it's not like a gross rat. It's just like you know, a large black rat eating some chocolates. It's it's adorable. And that house was. And then I guess he leaves. So in that scene, Jensen Eccles finds that rat, and then it cuts. But I, the way it continues, the only thing I can tell. By the way, it continues, is that Jensen Eccles finds the rat, finds the chocolates, finds the card from Megan to Axel, and I think did it have both of their names in it? Because she's also would be very, very bad at having an affair. She <laughs> put both of their names. <laughs> well, an it object seems, it seems like they discovered. were both pretty bad at having an affair. So that's but in yeah. any case, yes. So he finds that, and then um, he goes and murders. So he her? finds it. No, he goes back to his motel room to get one of the 50-plus empty chocolate heart boxes that he he owns and that he's uh, purchased throughout the course of this movie. And, um... Is your smoke yeah, alarm the, going uh, off? Yes, mine. it is. Okay. Uh, I think my... Yep. <laughs> it's going to go off in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that, wait, where was I? <laughs> uh, your house was burning down. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, so, it's fine. So he goes back to get his yeah. 50 chocolate box. Yeah, he goes back to 50 chocolate boxes, drives all the way back to like that cabin in the woods, drags the, you know, carries somehow like the 50 chocolate boxes there, I guess in like a plastic bag and then shoves them all somewhere that they're but, likely yeah, to be discovered by somebody poking around in there in the dark. Well, and then he was, I think he was, later he's taking Sarah there. I think that's where they were going because he was going to like show her the house. I, I don't know if he's going to show her the Valentine or show her that closet full of 
chocolates or I, yeah, I, it's not yeah, clear to me I, what I, the plan I was. I guess he set it up so that like the stuff that was already there, just like he just put that extra layer of it was definitely him on it because like, look, not only is your husband having an affair, he's also the killer, and I guess she would be so you know struck by the fact that her husband's having an affair that it would be just perfectly plausible that he was also like the murderer that showed up at the same time that Jensen Eccles did. Yeah. Which yeah, so yeah, I, I, and I, I think that was the same house. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yes, that that whole thing. Uh, what what the fuck, basically? The um, I, I think like with even with all the misdirection, the one scene in the hotel I think would would have been um, the most difficult to explain why anybody else except Jensen Eccles would have done that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were like going for like a, you know, the 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 old gang is reunited in the town. And uh, what movie started like that? I think it was. I know what you did last summer. That could be where. Yeah, we're like you know they 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 run over that guy in their drunken car riding, and then one year later they're all reunited in the town, and then get to start getting off one by one. This movie really feels like it should have come out in like two thousand two or two thousand. Yeah, you know, it, it feels like it would have been of an era more there. Yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, like, if know. you had told me that this movie was, like, circa I Know What You Did Last Summer, I would just be, like, mildly in disbelief just because nobody was dressed like it was the 90s. Um, but, and in that movie, people were very, very dressed like it was the 90s. Yeah. Um, uh, there was, there, there's a scene uh, where Sheriff punches Jensen and then flips the table. I like that there was table flipping. There was a table flip, and I, I like the fact that I guess they were watching that on closed circuit. But, because, um, I mean, that was, like, a very, very, like, sort of Dean kind of thing to do, where he, like, goads the guy into punching him in the face um, just by being a total dick to him. Like, that that I, that would have been, like, right out of Supernatural. Um, but, like, instead of goading the guy into punching him, being, like, goading the guy into transforming into the monster that he actually is or something, or... You know, like his head explodes and then the snakes come out or something else that would have been more entertaining than what actually happened, which was that the fight got broken up. Yep. A little bit later, there's a scene where the uh, Ben, uh, one of the white haired guys who you can't tell apart, uh, is he's drunk and he's got a shotgun and he goes out on his porch because I guess he heard something and he sort of slowly swivels his shotgun Looking at and, and yeah. this, this, I assume this was like, oh my gosh, the barrel of the yeah. shotgun in 3D. Um, but but anyway, this this is the one guy who's like, oh, maybe this guy is going to try and kill me because someone's going around killing people. I yeah. should arm myself and be ready for it. And then he fucks it up anyway. And it's just like, uh, just don't it's even like, try if you're not going to be allowed to like you know have a shot at succeeding. Like I don't want to yeah. see you drunk not pointing your shotgun at someone. <laughs> Um, I like the fact that, uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember in the original, my bloody Valentine did like the, 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 the minor killer just, he got the crap beaten out of him a lot. Right. I, I think maybe because I did, think yeah. that happens in this movie as well. And also to Jensen Eccles, like the, when, um, when you see like, you know, him like locked in the cage watching like Harry Warden kill those guys, even though it's actually him and he's watching himself back in time or something like that, that miner beats the crap out of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked that that guy really put up a fight. Yeah, uh, and and he, he like, he gets, like, you know, some, some he gets a couple of punches in, which is, is, like, one of those, you know, like, 90s slasher things where it's just, like, the, you know, the, he gets a couple of good hits in, you know, um, 
he gets he gets beat up by the miner. Like Megan beats him up with like a chicken, a broom, a while. Yeah, he gets, yeah, no, no, Sarah smashes yeah, him in the yeah, head with like yeah, a country yeah, right. ham or something. Yeah, I think I think Megan used a mop. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah hit him with a chicken. Um, uh, yeah, because it was the poultry case is what yep. she was by. And then uh, yeah, Jensen Eccles also was punched in the face no less than three times in this movie. Yeah, apparently uh, when Betsy was uh, kicking. Uh, at the miner in the hotel room shortly before she got killed yeah. and she kicks him in the face. She apparently kicked that guy in the face. Like, he's got a real <laughs> good solid hit with the platform shoes right in the fucking face. So, uh, movie making. Also, why why did Sarah close the door to keep the guy with the pickaxe out and then have her face right up against that fucking door? Because then the pickaxe comes through and she's like, oh God, and backs off. He has a pickaxe. He's been killing people with a pickaxe. It's a wooden door. Get your fucking face off the. Oh, yeah. it's, I, again, I'm I sure it made like a good shot. With she, the thing um, through, but you know, she when when they had like pushed the file cabinet up against the the door and then the table up against the file cabinet, you saw her like bracing her leg against other file cabinets and not just holding it there. Yeah. I thought that was like an extra little dose of uh, what a person would actually do. Which was really out of place because the rest of the movie is so unlike that. Yep. What was that? Um, what was, all the way at the end when she runs into the mine, she grabs this red thing. It's like a red box, you know, like roughly the size of like a car radio. Uh, Do you know what that was? What the I hell was that? I don't. And like you see that all the miners, like at some point you see like, you know, a behind shot of the miners running and they all have like a blue one hooked up to their belts. Yeah. But they never make it clear what the hell that thing is. I I don't know if it's like a communicator, like a walkie-talkie, or a... uh, I don't know. It just looked like she grabbed a car stereo and just was running with it. Uh, The the little Sheriff Junior, the Mm -hmm. blonde-haired, toe-headed little adorable fella, uh, he's wearing moose pajamas, which means, by definition, he's wearing pajamas which contain moose heads. Well, he sent in, like, 200,000 of those uh, yeah, he sent tabs his, and they yeah. sent him back a set of pajamas. Exactly. So so there we go. There's your moose head. Uh, by the way, you had mentioned the idea that I should uh, save a beer for the podcast. I don't know if you remember that I live on the West Coast. I'm not going to drink a moose head lager at 10 o'clock in the morning with a <laughs> much better reason than just disliking <laughs> this film. Uh, it's it's. I, 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 th- I thought that you would sample it on air and tell us what the notes said. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a brief like like it's it it's it's like a lot of other light American you know you know light lightly colored lightly flavored American lagers. It's uh, it's a, it's a little bit malty, which I, I I like you know a little bit sweeter than some others, but you know I'd say it's comparable to something like you know it's the same general vein as something like Coors. You know, it's uh, I, 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 it'd be great after mowing the lawn. You know, it'd be it'd be a great beer to drink a bunch of while watching the first movie <laughs> in it, cosplay. Yes, yes, exactly. I assume you owned all those clothes because you live in the Pacific Northwest and you're required to. Yes, yes, yes. My uh, my my random donation uh, ball cap with uh, oh somebody's logo on it. I don't know whose, and and my my flannel coat and. It felt like the unlaced boots helped sell the uh, level of preparedness for for the film that I was feeling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wish I'd had like a, a proper like you know hunting cap, but uh, don't own one of those. So uh, yeah, the the old sheriff, uh, terrible fucking firearm discipline. I think that's yeah. why he isn't sheriff anymore. He like he's just straight up pointing his revolver that he's death gripping 
right at the redhead cop's gut. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. And then she's like, you want to take point? And he says, I'm retired. At least just, just say no. Don't make up an excuse. Well, I mean, it's not even an excuse necessarily because, I mean, that's a good point. If you're a sheriff in a movie and you live past three days until retirement, you're making the correct decisions. Keep making them. And he's like, yes, yeah. no, I, uh, I'm i not the buddy in a, in a buddy cop tragedy. Uh, <laughs> you go first, lady. Uh Ah, oh, jeez, I'm trying to. I've I've got other little notes. I'm trying to catch anything that's actually like interesting. Um, I can't. Yeah, I'm 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 having trouble finding anything rewarding about I mean, this the, movie. The, we have the Washington the machine. Okay, so so Jensen above the, the the body of Megan who is dead, he writes out the thing that was in the um the Valentine the Valentine's card. Did that scene take place before or after she goes on a ride with him? Before, right? So I guess he was going to take her back to the, um, take her back to the the apartment, or no, to take her back to like that cabin, and then show yeah. him that like the Valentine's card says the same thing it said on the wall. I I, I think all I can tell is that he didn't even think about writing that on the wall, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure because like yeah, he could have like I got to show you something. And the sh- the something is the Valentine, and either yeah. he had read the Valentine, which could say the same thing was written on a Valentine that was written there. Obviously, Axel did this, or he hadn't read the Valentine. And he'd be like, "You got to see this. There's a Valentine that, for some reason, I want to show you. That oh my Your god, that's having an affair. affair. No, also, no, you must no, be everybody's alive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the plan. And see, the, the the problem is any of these things that don't make sense. You can say, oh well, yeah, but he was clearly crazy. So you know, he was making poor decisions. But that's no, that's a terrible. No, fucking- he was also making very strategic, you know, yeah. decisions to you know lock himself in the thing so people would think he was locked in the whole time. Yeah. Um, well, and again, then I guess see, misremember it. I, I'm, that's 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 what I'm willing to argue for the character is that I, I think there's the argument that Jensen really is completely dissociated from the Harry Warden personality. And this is a, some sort of like, you know, multiple personality situation where he really doesn't understand that he is killing people while in the guise of Harry Warden. He really thinks that is something external to him. And so what we see the scene with him being locked in the cage versus the flashback later of him locking himself in the cage is him actually subjectively experiencing that happening. And the other murders that he wasn't there to see, he didn't subjectively experience himself as having done. And so it's a big reveal to him at the end that, my God, and that's what collapses the wave for him and he goes full Harry Warden. Um, But uh, I don't don't feel like the film really... No, Earn and also that? he keeps taking off his mask in in the crime scene, like five feet outside of the crime scene. We see like shots of him removing his mask, and then he does it all the way again at the end. Yeah, how does how has he just not gotten caught? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe nobody know. cares enough to catch him. There was a scene where where Axel angrily hung up his f- cell phone. Yeah, and sort of grabbed it, and I really hoped he was just going to suddenly be able to literally crush his cell phone <laughs> like that. that it, it, that's what it looked like, except you know, without the cell phone being crushed. Uh, there was that tree branch to the windshield. That was that was like a new high for the film at that point, even in in three D hijinks that didn't work in two D so much. Uh, the what? There were like Sarah has realized that Jensen is up to something or crazy or something. Mm-hmm. And so she grabs the steering wheel of the Jeep 
and tugs on it, and they wrestle over it, and the car swerves, and then it flies off the road, and it flies into like a fifteen foot tree branch laying oh, close on yeah. And yeah, that must have been like a huge three D thing again, but two uh, D, not not so much. And then and then Jensen's laying. Jensen, I think he he sort of crawls out of the jeep, and then he's sort of laying there on the ground, and. I presume his leg was injured or something, although I don't know if they followed up on that. But he's just sort of like laying there shouting. And yeah. I like to think he was just shouting in random frustration. And maybe he was because he was still finding his way to his confused murder apotheosis. But uh, I didn't really know how to read that scene. Because if there was an injury, it's not clear what it was. And it clearly didn't stay debilitating. But if there wasn't an injury, he was just literally laying in the mud by his Jeep shouting. <laughs> Adrian! He was not shut. Uh, I think it would have been better if he was shutting Adrian. Uh, you know what was number one at the movies when this movie came out? This what? was number three. Number two was Gran Torino with, um, what's his name? Clint Eastwood. Okay. Number one, Paul Blart, Mall Cop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, you know what doesn't make a locked door stop being locked? Continuing to shake the doorknob and yell at it. <laughs> That was that bothered me. That went on a little too long from someone who was otherwise doing at least a nominal job of being a surviving last girl sort of character. Uh, there was no shower scene tied to the room with the minor clothes dropping down. That's a bummer. Uh, the uh, who do I shoot scene, you know, shoot both of us thing was. I I I mean I was still wondering exactly how they were going to resolve this, and it became very clear there how they were resolving it as they resolved it. But that was also their opportunity to have some third party appear somehow and actually be a extant third party. And I was sort of wondering if they were going to go that way after all. Cause do you think we were supposed to warm up to Axel at the end? Because he just was a shitty guy throughout yeah, the entire movie. I was going to say, that, that's actually one of my thoughts. Is like This is, this is a nice sort of mirror to uh, the end of The Fly. Yeah. Uh, where we had the same sort of experience of a guy who's a total fucking irredeemable douchebag. He's not even like... He's not evil. He's just like a bad, unlikable fucker. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, he sort of is the new hero by circumstance. And it's like, yeah, I, I kind of wonder about that too. Like, was there supposed to be some sense of redemptiveness there? I mean, it really seems like there was in this one because like they seem like they're even maybe sort of happy. Like there's, yeah. there's, the, there's the bloom of, ah, maybe we can repair our terrible – married situation and 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 now that both of the people that were you know sort of instrumental in this relationship possibly coming apart are dead yeah and it's like uh, uh, yeah i i I, maybe the whole town came together and knew what was happening and then they committed the murders yes to keep this couple together because it was that couple staying together that was the the heart of the town and kept everybody alive yes they could see they they, they could see that 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 these kids can make it work alex and sarah axel and sarah they they just Mm -hmm. gotta they just gotta make it work, but everything's falling apart, and it's, so it's like it's this. This movie is a weird sort of uh, 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 "It's a Wonderful Life" remake. Is what <laughs> it actually is, and 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 it's the two of them, and everybody comes together. The only way I don't know how by murdering several people while dressed up as miners and framing it on a mentally ill heir to the local mining concern. I, I think I think you've I think you've solved it. I think that's what's going on. Such a bad movie. 
it's gotten worse talking about it. And I kind made of made 130, like, made almost 10 times its budget of $14 million. Hey, where did $14 million go in this movie? A lot of 3D effects. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, two thousand nine, though. Uh, yeah, it's still, still kind of you know, I think they the fact that it was you know sort of early in this specific uh, era of three D may have made it a little bit more expensive yeah. to pull some of the stuff off. Yeah. Uh, plus, you don't get Jensen Ackles cheap. So, um, <laughs> there was a super three D uh, slow mo bullet tracking shot of yeah. Sarah shooting through. Did she shoot through Jensen into the valve? Was yeah, not on, I don't think on purpose. I think yeah, you know her shot just, just went wide, yeah. and so she sh- the bullet went through him, shot the valve on like one of their explosive gas tanks, and yes. then there was and a spark then, somewhere that made it go off. Yeah, I guess. And then and then Jensen gets quote unquote killed by a gas explosion. So hey, we've got some nice dramatic irony bringing it back around to his origin story. So la di da. Um, I, there, there was before that. There was some light bulb smashing, him stalking there along, was. and I did like it was, it was a it was a nice little flickery effect. Every time he smashed a bulb, there was like a couple frames of the miner suit uh, flashed in there over him. Uh, yeah, is it it a cute little touch. And I think the light bulb smashing itself that was a callback to the original, right? Was that, wasn't that a thing that happened? At one point, uh, possibly. I, I mean, now that you mention it, that does sound like something that would have been in that movie. But I can't guarantee it, and I'm not watching it again. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting to compare some of the callbacks side by side with this in the the original. But uh, mod- for somebody else, it would be interesting yeah. for somebody else to do it. Somebody listening to this, it feels like doing some editing. Uh, go for it, hmm. uh, basically. Uh, yeah, and that's basically it. Then roll credits, and then we get the long zoom through the 3D tunnel or whatever as the credits go by. Um, oh, I stopped watching this before the credits. Did something yeah. happen after the credits? Um, no. The, it was just a long, long run through uh, mine while they run the credits. Uh, there was somebody in the film named Bingo O'Malley. It might have been the redheaded cop. I'm not sure. Uh, there was puppetry and rotoscoping, and I'm not exactly sure... There was puppetry. Yeah, there were there were some puppeteers. There were a couple of puppeteers. Where where do you think there was puppets? I don't know. Maybe some of the body doubles or something. Uh, I don't know where there was rotoscoping either. But maybe I'm. I, I think rotoscoping. I think uh, you know the the ring wraiths from the old uh, Lord of the Rings movie. Um, you know, I think very much cartoon. With realistic movements, I think the He-Man. Uh, Maybe it was just stuff. rotoscoping over the stuff that flew into the camera, so they yeah. had a three D model of it. That, that's what I'm wondering, and I'm wondering if maybe that's just uh, somewhere where uh, rotoscoping. You know, I, that reminds me another little three D bait thing that I didn't mention uh, that was probably fun in the theater was uh, when the guy with the shot, the old white guy with the shotgun, gets killed. He gets killed by yet another fucking pickaxe through the head, which is like, eh. but. Uh, the miner then yanks the pickaxe away and sends the guy's jaw ripping off and flying towards the camera. I thought that was kind of cute as far as yeah. 3D effects go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the rotoscoping and the puppets. I'd be curious if anybody has some actual thoughts on that. And yeah, special thanks to Melanie Farmer for letting us get Todd naked, uh, <laughs> says the credits. And yeah, ah, yeah. Why do we do this to ourselves? What are we thinking? What's what's the uh, what's our uh, motivation, Yak? <laughs> I don't know. The directing in this episode is terrible. Yeah, seriously. 
uh, I feel like I mean I feel like the actors you know were talented you know handsome uh, uh, very, very everybody in this movie was pretty good looking yeah. I mean Axel did Axel came off like a discount leader to Carpenter well, I'm in the podcast I'm in the podcast and, oh I, very, yeah very no, handsome those guys are handsome as hell yes. you kidding me they're, they're, they're the prettiest yeah. prettiest thing uh, yeah I don't know I don't I, I don't think I have any specific th- further thoughts on it it's no. um, it's it, it was it's disappointing in pretty much the exact middle of the road meh way you would expect to be disappointed so it's maybe shame on me for not embracing that expectation because like, like I'm not I'm not really surprised to come away with it feeling the way I do but at the same time I decided to watch it anyway and is the fact that it's the topical date for a podcast episode really good enough reason that's that's what I have to wrestle with inside I mean it's <laughs> middle of the road is like this has a 5.5 out of 10 rating on on IMDB a meta score of 51 out of 100 I mean you can't get any more right on the fulcrum in between good enough to be good and bad enough to be interesting uh, it's it's just right there hung in the middle like a fucking I don't know like the force with Jedis and Sith and all that yep or when uh. the Skeksis and the good things from Dark Crystal die and then it turns out it's just oh I'm just so disappointed. You, you you think there would be something that you know you could read about this movie that says it's just complete crap, but everything says it's middling. But yeah, that that's just so much more boring in this case than something that would have been complete crap, even. Yeah. Like if it'd been a train, uh, fucking train wreck. Yeah, I think we would have had more fun yep. with it. Oh well, let's uh, let's maybe wrap it up then. This will be a slightly short episode for us, not. Yeah. Uh, we're still close to two hours, so when we get complaining, we get complaining. But uh, but yeah, uh, we we'll have to figure out what we're going to do for the next couple episodes. You're going to be traveling or or such some next month, I think. So we may yeah. have to we may have to miss a fortnight, or we could do something daring, like actually try and plan ahead and get something extra in the can. But we'll see what happens there. Um, but let's watch something uh, that we'll enjoy it all. I think is uh, something we should try. Uh, because I, 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 it turns out I enjoy enjoying movies, or enjoying yeah. actively disliking them versus not enjoying just sort of passively disliking them. All right. So uh, if you're still listening, and if you are, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Tumblr, rate us on iTunes. Maybe not after this episode, but after one you liked. Um, Hope you all had a, a nice Valentine's Day out yeah. there. Uh, Red Lobster's great. I can highly recommend it. Times Square Red Lobster. Make reservations. Yeah. It's five Times Square. That's why you should go to New York. Never to eat in Red Clearly somebody's making that decision. Well, and then, and then you can go over to the M&M store, right? So like you can make, uh, you can make an that, evening of it. No, you got to make reservations to that like at least a month in advance. There's no way you're getting to the M&M's. <laughs> Have you seen those tubes of M&M's? I, they I, separate them by color. Where else would you get that kind of service? <laughs> I, I, I seen it from outside uh, on one of my few visits to New York. We walked through Times Square, and, and yeah, I was like, "This is." Yeah, I weird. mentioned to, to my wife that like you know Times Square had gotten like a lot more family friendly over the years, but now the sketchiness factor has gone like slightly back higher because there are monsters roaming the streets demanding your money. <laughs> the uh, there yeah, just the proliferation of like either Halloween costume or hilariously off-model people in costumes getting you to take pictures with them and then yelling at you to give them money for it. Yeah. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a weird yeah. economy there. Yep. Someone should dress up as a miner and do something about the problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, good talking to you, sir. Good night, everybody. Good night.